Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Kara Hendricks, financial advisor with Edward Jones. If saving for retirement is something you always seem to be thinking about but not actually doing, and this being the end of the year, it's a good time to think about that stuff, then you need to talk to Kara. She specializes in high-quality, tailored investments for investors of all ages and financial means. And she works to treat clients like she would want to be treated. To get started, contact Kara at 806-358-8346 today. Kara Hendricks. She's with Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Today's guest is Dejanay Johnson. Dejanay is the youngest guest I've had on the podcast to date. She's only 22 years old, and she graduated from high school in 2015, which was just a couple of years before I launched this podcast. But here's why I wanted to talk to her. Despite growing up without a whole lot of money, she was raised on the north side by a single mom. Dejanay has already started a thriving business. She operates a hair salon called The Slay Station, near First and Polk downtown, and she's found her way into entrepreneurship without a lot of help. She doesn't quite believe she's arrived yet. We talk about this. It's all still in process. But her story is one that doesn't get told very often, at least locally. A young woman of color who's carving a path for herself as a business owner. So here's Dejanay Johnson. Dejanay Johnson, welcome to the Hammerella Podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. This is really exciting for me. Good. Well, I, it's exciting for me too. I, as as we were talking about off mic, I think you're the youngest person, the youngest guest I've had on so far. So yes. I think that's fun, um, and I'm eager to hear about who you are and what you're doing. So let's let's start. This is what I ask every guest: is tell me how you ended up in Amarillo in the first place. I was born here. Okay, that's so, pretty easy for you then. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me. I, you know, I grew up here. I was born here and, you know, my family doesn't really talk about moving a lot. So we're going to be here. Your family had been here for quite a while before that? Mm-hmm. I mean, Yeah, quite a while before that. They're originally from like somewhere else close by, but, you know, they went to Lubbock and then they came here and then they just settled here. So Okay. I don't think they're going anywhere, so I guess I'm not either. <laughs> All right. Tell me where you went to high school. I went to high school at Polidoro. Okay. And, you know, it was pretty cool. Not like how everybody may think. I never had any trouble there. It was a really good environment for me. I mean, you know, you just have to be careful the crowds you hang out with. Well, and that's true, regardless yeah. of what school regardless you go to. Regardless of what school, you know, some people think it's different. I went to... um hair school. Okay. And somebody asked me what school I went to. And I said, Polidoro, of course. And then they were like, oh, you're one of those girls. Hmm. So I was like, what is one of those? Yeah. Girls? What What did that mean yeah. to you? Or what did that mean to her? Well, I don't know what it meant to her, but I kind of was like, okay, uh, what does that mean? And, you know, I just kind of brushed it off because I didn't, I didn't really want to get into that. I think people have, regardless of where they live in the city, they have different perspectives about what the different schools are like. Kids are one way, and another school right. kids are another way. Exactly. You know, tell me what, like, what your high school experience was. Was was it positive for you? It was positive for me. I was in a lot of AP classes. Okay. Um, I tried to do sports. I wasn't really good at sports, but I ended up playing softball. 
Okay. And so, you know, that was something positive for me. Then graduated. It was, did, it was pretty easy. It was smooth. Did you know what you wanted to do after you graduated? I mean, I, I know that, you know, these days in high school, teachers are always talking about go to college, go do this, you know, having students think pretty seriously about yeah. their future. What, I mean, what was that like for you? I'm not going to lie. Whenever, you know, I seen all of my friends determining, you know, what college they wanted to go to, they already knew. And I was just like, what college is that? And where are you going? What are you doing? I want to know what I'm going to do. And, you know, I actually was like, oh, I'm going to go to Princeton and do plastic surgery or I'm going to do forensics or something like that. But I was already doing hair. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is just something just because I like to do my own hair. OK, so I was just doing my friend's hair. But I was like asking one of my teachers in school, his name is Mr. Porter. And I was like, you think I could make a lot of money doing hair? And he was like, sure. I know a lot of hairstylists. And I was like, I think that's what I'm going to do because I really didn't know what kind of college I wanted to go to. OK, so tell me about that path then, if if you decide, okay, I want to get into hairstyling. What are the requirements? What do you have to do from that point? I mean, you can't just do it at home, I guess, and do your friend's hair and make much money that way. So tell me about getting licensed or going to school, any of that stuff. You can't, but you actually can. You actually don't have to be licensed to braid in Texas. Okay. So a lot of stylists here do hair from home. If you're, you know, braiding and doing extensions and stuff like that, you really don't have to have a license. But I went to school anyway because I not only wanted to do braids, I wanted to do color, I wanted to do eyelashes, I wanted to make sure I had a variety of different services and make sure I was legit to open my own business. Okay. So So how long is that process to get licensed or to go to school? The process is usually, they say, nine months or less, and that's on the fast track If you go every single day, if you are there all day doing what you need to be doing, but in all reality, you miss some days because, Mm -hmm. you know, they let you. So you're just like, oh, I can do what I want. It's it's maybe less structured than a typical college classroom or something like that. Okay. Yeah. They they let you miss a few days. And so it actually took me almost two years. Okay. (laughs) But that was because I transferred schools. I went from Exposito to Milan. Okay. And so actually between those time periods of switching, it took like six months, I think, for me to do my exit papers or something. And so when I got back started, they were like, oh, you're going to have to start everything over again from, you know, the books to starting on the floor and graduating up to doing people's real hair. And, you know, so it took me a longer time than I wanted to take, but it was worth it. What was the goal for you? Did you want to, you know, while you're going to school, was your goal always to open your own business or did you want to just find work, you know, working at another salon or what were you kind of planning for? My goal has always been to open my own business. I've always been this like extra person. So (laughs) off top, I was, oh, I'm going to open this really big business and you know, make about $800 a day, you know, and I'm just sitting here and just throwing numbers out there. Well, that that seems pretty nice. I... Right. And I was like, you know, it's going to be easy because, you know, I, I do this already. And, you know, if you can get people who want that type of service every single day, that'll be easy, you know, so. 
I always wanted to open my own business. I already knew that that's what I was going to do. Did you always intend to stay here in Amarillo or did you ever think you might go someplace else? I did think I wanted to go someplace else. I'm still not sure if I want to or not. I just know that for now, it'll be maybe a few more years that I'll be here. If I did want to eventually leave, I'm not sure where I would want to go. I don't really get to go a lot of places because, you know, as a low-income family, you know, we don't really get to take vacations. So I really don't know. Right. You know, I have to take it slow and view places before I say, oh, I want to go there. Since you brought that up, I, I want to talk definitely about your business and where you've ended up now. But I I do know that a lot of my listeners won't, you know, have been exposed to kind of what it's like growing up in a low-income family mm-hmm. or a low-income part of town. Right. Tell me some things that maybe other people might be surprised about. You know, maybe not your neighbors growing up mm-hmm. who understand that reality, but people who grew up in another part of Amarillo. What, what was it like growing up that way? I don't know. It was pretty... It was I mean, pretty, it seemed uh, like normal to you yeah, because that's what was, you grew up in. It but. was normal, but when you look at people who... Because you, you do know people from other schools. You meet them, you know, through sports or just out on the street or at events and stuff. You know, you look at their lifestyle and you think, oh, it must be nice to be able to throw a pool party at your house Hmm. or be able to have your own car or something like that, you know, in high school, super early, like, or, you know, be able to dress that way or this way, you know, have those kind of shoes, stuff like that. How big was your family? I've always lived with just, you know, me, my mom and my sister. Okay. And so that was it. So single mom, Mm -hmm. single income. What did your mom do? My mom, she's a nurse tech okay. at BSA Physicians, and she handled it really, really well. You know, I love her and appreciate her for everything, you know, she did for us because I know it was super hard trying to support two girls in one house by herself. And it was, you know, girls are extra, so they need a lot more stuff. <laughs> so I, I'm curious about your... You know, your dream of, of working for yourself, of owning your own business, but maybe not really having an example of that. A lot of times kids who have parents who are entrepreneurs grow mm-hmm. up to be entrepreneurs because they see that modeled all of their life. Well, your mom was a nurse. She worked for someone else. So how did you go through all the steps, you know, to open your own business when all that maybe was new to you? You didn't have any experience or any mentors to really draw from. What was that like? It was extremely hard. I had to, since I didn't have anybody to look up to that was doing that, social media was a really big part of that. And you would see people, black people, starting up their own businesses by themselves and the steps they would take. And I just kind of looked up to them. You know, it was really hard for me because, you know, we don't really have the resources here or people who, black people who have like really good businesses that they started themselves, you know, stuff like that. So I had to look out, outward. I still do. Mm -hmm. I go to classes in Dallas and Atlanta and Houston and stuff like that to get other people's perspective on starting a business and stuff. So maybe like some of the education that you've gone through on that, you've had Mm -hmm. to reach outside of Amarillo even to get... Tell me about some of the steps that you took after getting your license. So so what happened immediately after? Did you did you start your business right after that or was it a process? 
I wanted to stay home for a year because I was like, oh, I went straight from high school to hair school for two years. I need a break. No, my business started right there. Okay. And I'm not sure if I wanted it to, but it did, you know, and I was kind of happy about that. I would always tell people like, I'm blessed to already have a clientele and I'm just working out of my house. I didn't have to have a second job like most people. If they braid, they have to have that main job where that's the sole income and do hair on the side. No, I was blessed to already have clients flowing in, you know, and I think that's because I was just so young. I didn't I don't have a kid, stuff like that. It was easier for me to let them come to me. You know what I'm saying? So you worked out of home for a while? Mm-hmm. Was this your your own home or your mom's home where you grew up? My mom's home. Okay. Yeah, we I worked out of home for I've only been <laughs> I've only been certified for almost 3 years. So Okay. I'm just now getting a different building and just now venturing outside of my home. And it's bringing me a lot more business, but you know, as soon as I got out of hair school, um I started saving my money. Mhm to go take lash classes and bettering extensions. It's like closure technique, real scalp technique, all that different type of stuff. It's may sound weird to you. Well, you know, it's know. nothing I have any experience with. <laughs> exactly. But I, that is one thing I'd like to talk about is that I know, you know, within the black culture that – whether it's it's braids or extensions um, or lash, I mean, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like that's a significant part yeah. of the culture. Tell me what, you know, for somebody like me, you know, a white guy who's never mm-hmm. cared much about his hair, tell me why that's important, you know, within your community. I think extensions are really important within the community because want this luxurious looking hair. You may want hair to the middle of your back, but your hair is shoulder length. Or you may have issues with your hair growing on one side or in the middle, or you may have always had problems with short hair. Now, that doesn't mean that I wear extensions because I don't have any hair or that I don't like my own hair. It's just that I like to switch it up or Mm -hmm. we like to look nice or you like your hair to look more full or... You may want a bob one week, and you may want long hair the next week, or braids the next week. You know, it's just fun. And it's not a big deal, you know, for your hair to change dramatically from week to week. No. Right? It's not a big deal in in my community. You know, people are always sending me texts like, ooh, I want to do this next, and I want to do this next. And we always we always joke about it in... Our community, you know, when we go to work, somebody will be like, oh, my gosh, your hair grew overnight, yeah. you know. And we're like, no, we just, you know, got some extensions because we, you know, wanted to switch it up. You can do so many things with extensions. It's crazy. Like, you have endless opportunities and looks that you can do. Like, you see something, you want it. So so I, I know that, you know, as, as you mentioned, now you have your own shop. Um, mm-hmm. You're in a building that's on Polk Street, fairly close to downtown, you know, a couple blocks north. Tell me what that that relocation out of your house and then to a, a you know, freestanding storefront. What does that meant for your business? It's a really big success for me cuz I really didn't expect to have a shop so early. As soon as 
I told my mom like about this place I had seen. I was like, I'm going to go view it. If I like it, I'm going to try to get it. I've never had a building before. I've never had bills. I've never had any of that stuff. So when we got it, my mom was like, okay, let me help you. Like she was just, she was like excited for me to already, you know, have my own space and stuff like that. And she was like quickly driving stuff over there. (laughs) I think she was more happy that I was getting out of her living room. Well, yeah. You know, but it was a big step. I think there's a lot of steps in being an entrepreneur. Some people's may, you know, be different or I don't know. It's it's different steps and different levels that you may reach. But I think some are the same for everybody. Okay. If you know what I mean. So for you, what level is this? Is this like a launch pad to something bigger or is this like exactly where you want to be? This is, I guess, exactly where I want to be. Like I said, like this level for me would be like level three. Okay. I guess like in my head, I think about it like level one, getting started. Level two, establishing a business that, you know, everybody or most people know about, you know, at least starting up a little community that knows about it. And then level three, you know, getting your own shop. I'm at level three, but, you know, in between those levels, you have little levels or sub levels, you Mm -hmm. know, of oh, this is scary, or, you know, the phase where you have to start all over money-wise, or the stage where you have to humble yourself, or the stage where you have to really believe in yourself, and you just have to start all over. It's it's scary. That's where I am now. And even though I don't know what's going to come next, you know, I'm just hoping that it'll be like the client growing stage. Tell me how you find your clients. Uh, is it is it primarily your reputation and social media these days, or are there other ways that you try to do that? Most of the time, it is from social media or word of mouth, which I think is pretty cool because, you know, social media is like a big free advertisement, and it's like Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. and Snapchat. I still haven't mastered Instagram. Okay. I'm about to try to start over because... I'm like, that will reach such a big audience. You know, you can only have about 5,000 friends on Facebook. Right. But when they share it around, you know, that's how I got my clients and stuff. You know, somebody else will be like, oh, let me try her, you know, and then they'll get their hair done. And then their cousins will be like, well, I seen her get her hair done. Now I want my hair done. And then, you know, each person brings a whole different group of people. Right. And it just keeps expanding. Okay. I, one thing I'd like to ask you is, um, so one of the things I've found is that in Amarillo, it, it seems different when I find a woman-owned business. Mm-hmm. And then like you mentioned, it's also different to find a black-owned business. Like those mm-hmm. two things are maybe less common. Yes. And then you're a black woman who's 22 years old and has exactly. started her own business. Do you feel like kind of a unicorn? Like, like you stand <laughs> out as, as something very different within this community? Or does this just feel natural to you? This is what you wanted to do and you're doing it. I actually don't feel like a unicorn. I don't know what it is about myself, but like when I graduated, I didn't feel like, oh, this is big. I felt like that was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Whenever I graduated from hair school, I feel like that was supposed to happen. And I feel like, you know, me getting a building that was supposed to happen. I guess I just haven't reached a point where 
I feel extra proud of myself. Okay. Or you don't ex- feel you've arrived yet. Right. You're still in process. I don't I guess. feel I've arrived yet or reached my full potential. I feel like I'm I'm getting there, and when I do, then I guess I will feel like the unicorn because I don't really know of any other black big businesses. I do know of other hairstylists mm-hmm. who have accomplished their businesses and stuff, and they still do it today. And they're older ladies. But, you know, as a young person, I will feel like, you know, that special person because I've accomplished it so young and it's booming and I'm making money and it's growing and stuff. Do you feel like maybe you serve as a good example for young girls? Maybe maybe girls who are at Paladuro and just like you didn't really know what they wanted to do. And here you're just a few years out of school and you're doing it. Most definitely. I have had a couple people, you know, look up to me and be like, oh, how'd you do it? Can I get some classes? Can you teach me? And I'm like, sure. But at first, before I start mentoring other girls, I want to make sure, you know, I take the necessary steps to get myself established. And then, of course, I don't mind helping you up, but I need to know exactly what I'm doing and how I'm doing it first. So I've had lots of people come to me and ask me how to do it, or this is what they want to do, or but I feel I'm getting close. For for a lot of young entrepreneurs, the funding aspect is one of the biggest hurdles. You know, they don't haven't had time to save money, or it's, it's hard to get a loan from a bank. I mean, what definitely. were some of those challenges that you went through before you got to a place where you felt, all right, I can handle, you know, leasing my own building and having my own shop. How did you deal with that? And I know you said you saved some money. Was was that primarily it? Yeah, it, it went super fast because you have to think about the time frame, like two years, and you already feel like you can handle a building. You have to at least, you know, be making a certain amount constantly throughout the months to be like, okay, now I can handle this. Now I can handle that. So, yeah, it was really hard for me to try to get loans. The only way I was able to get a loan, and it was a really small one, was from a bank that I was depositing all my money into okay. because that's the only way I could keep track of how much I was making, what I was making, when I was making it, and it was just Amarillo National. Okay. I went to try to, you know, get a loan from the credit union and stuff, and it's really hard because I already don't know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> I'm just winging it. And you know, it was they wouldn't give me a loan, you know, I had to have my taxes filed. Now I'm like, okay, what's taxes and how do I file those being a small business and a woman and you know who knows how to do that because when I go to other places you know they're like I went to one place Jackson Hewitt and she was like you have to have a kid to see some outcome of you know some money to help you out and I was like but I don't want a kid yeah you know and stuff like that so well and and you're so young you barely have a a credit history right I I don't have a credit history you know and I I wanted to, if I would have knew about credit younger, Mm -hmm. don't you know I would have started it so much younger because it is so important. I'm trying to start it now, and it is so hard because back then when I didn't know, I was creating a hole, but I'm glad I found out about it before it got too deep because I guess, you know, with credit and taxes, I can get those loans to help me further, you know, my business. You're still at at level three, as you said. You know, you're still kind of growing your business. You know, you're occupying your own shop. 
What do you see happening over the next few years? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? Ooh, in five years. Or maybe three years, if, if you don't want to look quite that far. <laughs> well, five years to three years. Three years, I should be opening up another shop. Okay. And Maybe a different part of town, like yeah. kind of spreading out your yeah, footprint? spreading out over town, opening up another shop and having people teach people what I know okay. so that it's not just me doing it because I can't handle everybody here, but it's a bunch of people who know how to do what I do here and in those shops and being available to the community because we don't only... I. I don't only offer services for black women. Okay. I offer services for white women and Mexican women and, you know, all kinds of women. You know, I don't really offer services for men yet, but it will come soon. Do women tend to maybe self-segregate when it comes to their hair? I mean, do white women trust a black woman to do their hair or vice versa? Or do they think, well, she only knows you know, one kind of hair and doesn't know how to do mine. Is, is that something that you kind of have to fight? I really never thought about that. So that's interesting because I really do think that some people be like, oh, she's black. She does extensions. So maybe she don't know how to do my hair, you know. But in all reality, when I was in hair school, I used to have tons of white and Mexican clients. And that was only because... You know, those type of salons they like to go to because they trust because that's what they teach. Right. Mainly, I, you know, it's kind of weird to say, but hair schools mainly teach color, blow drying and styling, you know, updos and stuff. They don't really teach extensions. So I really actually got good at doing white girl hair, you know. And so I, I really don't think that they know I know how to do it. And so they might not trust me. But that goes the same for black women. I'm not going to go to a white hair shop and ask them to do a silk press on my hair because the products that they may use may be completely different and may okay. damage my hair. So I feel like that's the same thing with other cultures and ethnicities. You know, they don't feel like you can do it. Right. It's a, it's a matter of experience exactly. or maybe um, the trust that you have in that person right. particularly. But I do feel like... Um, when I do get like one person, it, it'd be that one person whose hair you do and you get so excited because you're like, you're about to bring me a whole new clientele and you do their hair and it's a success, you know, and they go out and they show their friends and stuff. Then they bring that part of them with them. Okay. You know, now, now white girl does trust me to do her hair because she's seen me do this other girl's right. hair, you know, and it will start to expand. But I do need more clients so that I can show people that I can do it. I'd, li I'd like to talk a little bit, you know, since, since we are talking about some of the, you know, the, the differences between um, hair and race and, you know, business, all those kinds of things. Tell me a little bit about your experience of the black community in Amarillo, because I know you mentioned going to places like Houston or like mm -hmm. uh, Atlanta that have, you know, very strong entrepreneurial elements within the black community there. Mm -hmm. Amarillo has a smaller community. Yeah. Um, but but what has your experience been, you know, with uh, with that kind of thing here? It's kind of hard because I don't really know anybody with business 
or entrepreneurship experience that I can go and talk to. Okay. So I I really don't have like a big thing to like a, a, a pool of a pool. entrepreneurs to draw from, I right. guess. Right. And so that's why I did say, you know, I have to go out of town. I don't we don't have that here. Why do you think or, that is? Is it a limited population base or is it you know, institutional racism and and you know some of the things that like you've talked about how difficult it was to get a loan. I mean, yeah. do all those things kind of play into it? I think that there's not enough help okay. in certain parts of the community. And it may be just my community. I don't know about other people's community, but I know for sure mine. For instance, there's help, but there's help to keep you in that low area help. Okay. There's not help to help you progress help. There's only help to keep you where you are help. You know what I'm saying? So I'll help you, but I'm helping you start a salon, you know, that's over on the boulevard as opposed to build something bigger that's going to expand all over Amarillo. Is that right? Is that what you mean? Right. And we don't even have the, the help to help you build a business. Okay. Where do I go to have somebody get me all the necessary papers and tell me what I need to do and how to do it? You know, I had to look for outside help and ask around, you know, different people who might know, they really don't know, you know, I still don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, it's not there, you know, and the type of help that I'm talking about that helps you stay where you are, I kind of experienced it from my sister being like on food stamps, Mm -hmm. you know, they help you get food. But when you get a job, they decrease those food stamps. Right. And you're like, okay, well, I just got this job. Now you want me to spend money on food that I need to save to help better myself? You know, I might need to take a class, but now I have to spend that money getting food. Help me out for a couple of months with that same amount that you were giving me when I didn't have a job. And then I may be able to get out of having food stamps completely. Yeah, for people in poverty who rely on government assistance, Mm -hmm. Everybody always says, well, just go get a job. And then often when you get a job, it changes everything because Mm -hmm. suddenly that assistance is diminished. And you may not be earning the equivalent of what you were getting in in help. Exactly. And so it it actually is worse for you. Exactly. And so, you know, there's not help to be like, okay, well, we're going to help you get food stamps, help house you while you save money because we know that you need to have a degree or some type of you know, schooling to be able to get this kind of job. That's really hard when you already have a kid. Now who's going to watch my kid? Now who's going to feed my kid? Now what's going to happen if I go to school? I'm not going to be able to pay my bills, stuff like that. I'm not going to be able to have anybody to watch my kid because the government assistance is so low and it changes so quickly that, you know, you don't really trust it to help you further yourself. Do you see that reality improving? In Amarillo, or do you see it kind of staying the same? I mean, someone like you, you've been able to kind of step out of that, and, and mm-hmm. you're you're blazing your own trail, you know, even though you don't have a lot of examples to follow. Right. Do you see that for other people? I mean, is is there opportunity? There is opportunity, and I do see it for other people. I just think that it needs to be a place, maybe in school where they don't say so much of, 
oh, get ready to go to college, mm-hmm. get ready to know what you want to do. You know, some people don't know what they want to do until they're 25, yeah. you know. So why don't you have classes in school that, you know, already migrate towards, oh, we have a nursing class. You can try that out. Or maybe you have a hair doing class. You can try that out. You know, then people will already get into the motion of seeing what they like instead of having these extracurriculars like art. Right. Which some people do grow up to be artists. But like, why can't we have more stuff that, you know, people might that they can try yeah. to figure out what they want to do. More of a vocational class in right. high school instead right. of having to pay for college classes or something for a career that you may not love. Exactly. And that's why so many people end up changing their majors and going backwards and taking longer to graduate from college and stuff. I think it'll be a good idea to have that already in high school, middle school and stuff like that. So people can already get in that mindset of, okay, when I get out, this is what I need to do. Because that's what I was thinking. I grew up in such a family that took a long time to figure out what they wanted to do that now it might not be able, they might not be able to do it now. Because now they have so many responsibilities right. that they can't just drop what they're doing and go and chase their dreams. They they have to take care of their families, their household, you know, stuff like that. So that's what got me thinking early. I need to go ahead and get started. Because if I get started too late, it's going to be too late. And I might already have bills and now I'm not going to be able to go out of town to Atlanta and go to Dallas and Houston on my own, you know, stuff like that. So I think that people just need to already be in that mind frame. And that starts with school and stuff like that, stuff that we have to do. This episode of Hey Amarillo Podcast is sponsored by Bivens Point. If I know my listeners, you probably aren't thinking right now about senior health care, and you don't really have reason to until it's time to help your parents or your grandparents make those kinds of decisions, and that time will come. I've been there. When that time comes, turn to Bivens Point. It's a long-trusted name for senior health care in Amarillo. Bivens Point delivers a personal treatment plan and a caring, dignified experience for your loved one. I know because both of my Amarillo grandparents spent time there. So if you'd like to learn more about Bivens Point or to schedule a tour of their facilities, contact Becky Davis at 806-350-2206 or visit BivensPoint.org. That's point with an E. And also, I'm currently in the process of scheduling out sponsorships for 2020 for the entire next year. So if you'd like to advertise your business in front of my podcast listeners on a regular basis, and that listener base is still growing, then contact me. You can do it through heyamarillo.com. You can do it on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. But let me know if you're interested. I'd love to talk further with you about it. Okay, I'm back with Dejanay Johnson of The Slay Station. Dejanay, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, and as my guest, you get to answer those in as much detail as you want to. Uh, We'll start with the first one. What's your favorite Amarillo neighborhood? My favorite Amarillo neighborhood. Now, it's my favorite neighborhood only because we go as kids and we go and drive around this neighborhood. We just think about, you know, ooh, I want that house. Ooh, I want that house. The house is so pretty, but the colonies. Okay. Um, That neighborhood, you know, where they're the big houses, where the doctors live and all those pretty different kind of houses. They're all unique and stuff. 
that's my favorite neighborhood only because of the houses, you know, we can go over there and dream about where we're going to be and how we're going to get there. And is that, I mean, is that something that, that you experienced as a kid? Mm-hmm. You guys would, you uh-huh. know, just go visit some of the, the nicer neighborhoods drive and, around and, and think someday, someday I'll be there. Exactly. Someday I'm going to have a house like that, or that's my house. And my sister would be like, that's my house. And we'd be like, well, let's go move in. <laughs> and so I, I really like that neighborhood. You know, they get all, you know, they're all together and stuff. And for Christmas and Halloween, they decorate and stuff. And, you know, I just wish all communities would be like that. What's your favorite local restaurant? My favorite local restaurant is Delvin's. All right. I love Delvin's. They have some really good fall off the bone ribs. Yeah. Ooh. And I also like Texas Roadhouse. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, that's because I love steak too. So Delvin's has a really good um, environment. The girls, I love them. They get their hair done too, you know, a lot by me. And so when I go in there, it's always fun. Okay. What does this area have too much of? I think this area has too much of liquor stores. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I really don't drink myself. I think the people can handle themselves in moderation, yeah. But instead, you know, we could have something else like a business center that you go and you tell them you want to start a business and they help you out, you know. But I definitely think there's way too many of those over there on the north side. So. Well, and that you know that it may I don't know what the uh, the quantity is compared to population on the north side. I imagine there's just as many liquor stores on the south side of town you think too. So I want you to go drive around the north side because every time I come to the south side, you know I'm like, okay, there's one, there's one, but it's not as many as the other side. You know, there's self-owned businesses on the north side liquor stores mm-hmm. so there's like a, a lot more of them but when you come to the south side there's like pinkies okay maybe they're larger or they're like more corporate like right guess. okay and so that means that there's more over there because you know they live here in amarillo so they can have one over here one here one there you know okay what does this area not have enough of doesn't have enough of resources and places that you can go to get help starting businesses. Okay. Or, you know, minorities, women, all kinds of stuff, you know. The crazy thing is we need it because a lot of people will get online and look for those kind of things when they could be right here. Okay. You know, boutiques and things like that. Do you think you would see more people like you, you know, taking the risk, working for themselves, starting their own businesses, if... You know, there there just wasn't that hurdle of, of all of these things you don't know about to, to figure out. Definitely. I always hear people telling me about something they thought about doing. And I'm like, OK, why don't you do it? But then I'm like, I know why you didn't do it, because there's not it's not easy to do. And most people don't know about everything you have to do to get started. Yeah. OK. What's the most underrated aspect of living here? Me and my uncle talked about it, and it's, you know, actually about, like, not having, like, how we talked about earlier, how Dallas and Atlanta have a lot of businesses already established. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think it's kind of underrated because we can have that kind of stuff. And, you know, when I go to other places and they're like, where are you from? 
I joke and I say I'm from the country, but when they say it, I'm like, nah, it's actually more than you think out there. You know, it's opportunities out there. And they they will say, well, you're actually in a good spot because smaller places can help you grow. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you visited Paladura Canyon? It's been since like I was, I was probably in elementary school. Okay. And we went on a field trip and... We were walking through this canyon, and it was so cool. I'm low-key scared of bugs, so I was like, <laughs> I don't know about this. And I actually broke out from, like, some heat rash or some, like, something. So it's been a minute. Okay. And not a great experience no. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> What's your favorite season in Amarillo? It would have to be fall. Okay. I love fall. It's not too, too cold, and it's not hot. I hate the heat, so it would definitely not be summer or spring because I don't like to sweat and stuff, but I like to sit in the house and look out the window and be like, it's so cold outside. I'm going to go get under my cover and wrap up like a burrito, you know, and just watch TV. I don't get to do that a lot. Yeah. Whenever it's cold, cold, cold outside and people don't like to go anywhere, I love it. Okay. Well, I mean, it's been good this season because <laughs> we skipped right past fall, we, lasted we for did. about three days, and then but it turned winter. It's still not winter, winter. Like, when I think of winter, I think of just, like, extremely cold. It's not that cold to me. I I love this weather. It is, like, perfect. Like, I almost didn't wear a jacket today. That's crazy. <laughs> And then uh, you may have covered this already, but how do you describe Amarillo when you talk to outsiders? You talk to people, you know, say you're in Atlanta or someplace training. I'll say, you know, out there in Amarillo, you know, we're still catching up. And it's crazy because we are like two or three years behind. And I'm just talking about the hair community. Okay. So maybe in terms of the trends that Atlanta's seeing, we won't see them for a few years. We won't see for a few years. And that's why I think it's important to, you know, try to get experience all around because we can bring it back here okay. and make Amarillo grow up to its three, you know, years that we're behind, you know. And so when I tell people, you know, I'm from Amarillo, they're like, where's that? And I'm like, it's small. It's at the top of Texas. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, ah, Okay. You know, I say the country because out there, they're in the city. They have giant traffic jams and really big skyscrapers and places that you can go. We don't really have much of that here. So. Okay. And I, I'll take the skyscrapers, but not the traffic jams, I me, guess. Me either. I don't like traffic jams. I go out there and I don't know how to drive. Okay, so uh, that ends the eight straight questions. Dejanay, I like to uh, end the show by asking my guests to endorse something. Mm-hmm. So uh, thinking about listeners, what was would be one thing that you would want listeners to the show to know about or to experience here? I want them to get out of their comfort zone and really go and try things they wouldn't normally try. Try some small businesses, try some minority businesses, some women-owned businesses, some, you know, black-owned businesses, and even, you know, Hispanic-owned businesses and stuff like that. Just get out, go support, at least if it's one time. They may need your help, your support. 
And if they want extensions, you're you're the person to turn to, right? Yes, I'm the person to turn to. You looking to change your look or grow your hair a little bit longer, fuller? We can do that. Okay, Dejanae Johnson, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I really loved it. It's really cool. And that concludes the show. First, I want to say thanks to Dejanae for doing the interview. You can learn more about her and her business at theslay-station.com. So the Slay Station, but a dash after slay.com. Thanks also to Kara Hendricks of Edward Jones and to Bivens Point for sponsoring this episode. Every episode of Hey Amarello, at least since last February when I came to my senses, is edited by Angelina Marie, which I very much appreciate. And of course, I want to say thanks to my executive producers, Neil Nossiman, Patrick Burns, Ryan Pennington, Wes Reeves, Daniel Davis, Corey Burns, Jennifer Callahan, Chris Zelda, Josh Wood, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Burr, and Katie Linger. All those good people support the show through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. And you know what? You can do the same thing. Just go to that web address, see if there's any levels of support that tickle your fancy, and I'd love to have you as one of my supporters. Helps me keep making this podcast for free every week. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 112. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.